Hey everyone, Justin here with HuntLink by Servicide. I am joined on the mic. Um, he's a returning guest, Braden Davis out of South Dakota, one of our pro staff members here at Servicide. What's going on, Braden? Oh, not much. So just hanging out, getting ready for a long week, week of work, and then probably going to be checking some ice to see if we can't get on some ice and do some ice fishing this next weekend. Nice. It's already that cold over there, huh? Oh, yeah. Dang. It's it's pretty warm over where we're at. We're getting a few little spills here and there, but we, we usually have a forever summer, which is good. But um, what we're going to do here is we wanted to – we've obviously been following you on, on your socials, and we've seen – um, you know, the crazy season you've had. So we wanted to get you on here um, to kind of start from the beginning here of, of how your season kind of started out and, and kind of what your goals were um, and where you wanted to go to, to where you are pretty much today, um, you know, as you gear up for ice fishing. So I'll let you kind of take the mic away here and uh, start start at your bow season or prep, really building up to your bow season, and, and we'll kind of dive into it. Well, Prep for my bow season really started like uh, end of July. Um, it's kind of when we planned on, really got planning on heading to Colorado to chase elk around. Um, I think, I think the middle of August is when Johnny Wagner decided that he was gonna skip out on going to Alaska due to some technical difficulties they were having. And ride along with us to Colorado. So we got all that planned out. And then baby, I had a baby. She was supposed to be here two weeks before September 1st. So we had planned on rolling out August 28th to Colorado, which didn't work out. Um, she went into labor August 31st. Uh, we were going to leave that morning. She had told me to leave a few times. And then I sat in the hospital until, oh, I don't know what time, August 30th. And we rolled out that night. And then when we got to Colorado, she called me, or I guess the 31st was when we left that morning. She called me at 8 o'clock. We were sitting down eating some dinner with everybody um, before we headed up the mountain. And she said that she had baby, so we FaceTimed and stuff, which was super emotional. Oh, so that was 10 hours away from home. Right, right, yeah, having to not being able to be there. And uh, we headed up the mountain a couple hours after that so I could have time to FaceTime her and see baby. Um, we packed, the first night we were in the mountains, we kind of stayed close to the pickup. And then the next morning we packed up all our gear, got ready to go, and uh, headed off the side of the mountain about 9 in the morning. Hiked in about four and a half miles or so the first day. Seen a bunch of good sign. Um, wasn't into hunters the first day and a half. We were about six miles in. Woke up to hearing bugles and rain. And then Johnny, Johnny and I, there was my little brother and my uncle with us. So we split off in pairs. My uncle and little brother went up the opposite ridge that we went down. Uh, we ended up calling it Johnny and I ended up calling in two hunters and then that was about the only action we had for three days oh man and so we were like well let's hurry up and just jump into a different unit 
And on the way to a different unit, my pickup decided it was going to catch on fire. Oh, no. So, <laughs> it was bad that. luck after bad luck. <laughs> so, we were in the middle of nowhere, about at the base of the mountain where we were going to hike up when my pickup decided to catch on fire. Got that put out, got everything rigged up to where my pickup would be fine. Got to the trailhead, and there was, I think Johnny and I ended up counting to like 56 cars. So, we decided that wasn't the move between hikers fly fishermen and other hunters in that unit <clears throat> we had uh, decided to go to a pin that brian dropped me got all the way to the top of the mountain at twelve thousand feet the next morning i met up with a guy that i'm super good friends with now um, and he told me that he'd been up there for three weeks and seen two bulls in three weeks oh man so Drove another four hours just to get told there was no bulls, and then Nick gave us some pins finally. And I think on day six, after going to where Nick sent us, we we had started seeing bulls, and then we stayed there for another four days. I ended up taking a shot on one at twelve yards and hitting a branch, missing. My exhaust fell off my pickup, and we lost the wheel. <laughs> So Colorado like, just yeah, Colorado and you kind of got got beat up a little bit on that one. Yeah, we we had a rough time. You know, most of that but stuff I, when that happens, people usually throw in the towel and they're like, you know, there's no bulls here. Obviously, Brian's sharing information with you, like he's his success rate going out there to there, New Mexico, Wyoming. It's it's pretty high. It's I mean, he's you know obviously struck out a couple times, but for the amount of times he's went. His success rate is pretty high, so I'm always trying to go to somewhere that he's sharing. So it's just, uh, it's crazy how it works, you know. One one year a spot will be fire, and even without the hunting pressure, I've seen, mm-hmm. you know, there's plenty of places that I hunt that have zero pressure, and so when that light switch is on, it's on, and when it's off, it's 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 off. Yeah, that's that's the crazy thing is that unit that we went in with Brian. Or, well, he's where he sent me a pen when we went in that unit. I think we've seen four other elk hunters in there and a couple mule deer hunters. So there was what well, it really wasn't any pressure. Um, but then that the last unit we ended up in, uh, we'd probably seen we'd see 15, 20 hunters a day, but we were in the elk every day. That's insane. I mean, that's obviously, I guess that's just a busy time to be out there. Yeah, dude, I just... Was this your was first really, time going to Colorado? Um, with a tag of my own, yeah. Oh, okay. So, I mean, you, you have, you've been out there, they're like hunting with someone else? Yep, yep. My dad and my uncle used to get tags quite a bit when we were super young. But, and my dad actually, before I even left, had told me to go to the unit we ended up in. And I was just, didn't want to because the winter kill was super bad up there. And every every information I had was to stay out of there, but Well, you know, you seem like the kind of person, you know, similar to how I am where, you know, it's it's you, you go for the experience. Obviously it, it doesn't matter what kind of hunter you are, it always sucks not feeling a tag and coming home without something, whether you had a great time or you didn't. Um, but I feel like definitely, you know, as cliche as it may sound, those like having all those moments and then when you do go to Colorado and get it done on public land, like doing it yourself. I feel like the reward is just so much greater because you, you know, it just wasn't given to you or the luck shot, you know, you get there. I've had people come down here and the first day they get their, you know, Osceola. And then other times we, 
hunt like hard hunting like you would hunt big game <laughs> and it takes a week you know mm-hmm. so yeah. humbling humbling I mean, experience did it deter you from colorado are you ever gonna go back um if i don't draw my wyoming tag this year we're probably going back nice good job man good job not letting it beat you down too hit too bad uh, right after right after the fact i was definitely pretty beat down but we kind of just laugh about everything now yeah um, it the pain the pain definitely wears off i mean i'm still recovering from a buck i lost and it feels like every day it the pain gets a little more numb you know <laughs> yeah yeah so your your heartache story is oh, pretty similar well it would have been pretty similar to my 200 inch deer if i wouldn't have ended up getting another arrow into him oh man well, let's talk about that so i guess let's take the bad luck train of colorado and where did you go uh, where'd you go from there so we got home September 11th. Um, I ended up, so I, I was running my own company doing siding and stuff. Uh, we ended up running, we didn't have enough work to sustain us through the winter. So I ended up getting a job, like a, a nine to five job, which has been all right. It's pretty, it's pretty good. Uh, and they're pretty lenient on like my kids and my hunting and stuff. Cause my boss hunts. Um, so I got home, started my job on September 15th. Uh, so I didn't hunt much the first week I was home. And then Tracy has been bow hunting for, I think this is our fourth year that he's been bow hunting now. And he still hasn't killed a buck with a bow. So that was kind of my main focus the rest of September. We were out chasing mule deer around on public land for him. And then uh, I, I was really determined to kill a whitetail, which just didn't pan out. And then October 7th, well, October 6th, my uncle and I just decided we were like, screw it, let's go to our, we have, we own some property here with really good mule deer on it. And we were like, well, we haven't been there all year. Let's just go for a drive and see if we see something good, you know. About 7.30, my uncle arrowed 140-inch mule deer. And uh, I was joking around with him after we got it all cleaned up and back into the pickup, I was like, we're going to drive into the next Canyon and there's going to be a stud buck laying there just joking. <laughs> and sure enough, we come over the hill and I told him to stop and I just seen an antler glistening in the sun from about 700 yards. And I didn't realize, I knew it was a good deer, but I didn't realize how good of a deer. And we ended up making a game plan. We got within, I think it was about 35 yards of him and the wind switched and he blew out but I knew exactly where he was headed. So I sent Toby back to the pickup. So I basically just opted out on not having a cameraman along with me to have him drive around to where I was going to end up. If I got him or not, it was going to be another six miles or so on foot. (laughs) And I ended up catching up with him about four and a half miles after we'd bumped him. And he was below a dam. I, I glassed him up from like 200 or so yards away. I got, I was able to drop into the bottom and I got to the top of the dam and he was a lot farther than I thought. And I kept ranging him. It was 97. I think I ranged him probably 18 times at 97 yards, broadside, head down. No idea I was there. And after chasing goats for so many years with a bow, I'm pretty confident out to like 110. 
so I dialed my sight and drew on my knees and stood up, got above the barbed wire fence and let one rip, and it smacked. And then he was head dragging, like his chin was on the ground, so I figured he was going down. It looked a little forward, but not bad, but I couldn't, I was far enough away, I couldn't tell what kind of penetration I had got. And when he went up and over the hill, a bigger buck that my grandpa's currently chasing with the muzzleloader stood up 30 yards from me. So then the emotional roller coaster came about because when I I figured he'd be dead when I went up over the next ridge and he wasn't, he was crossing the road, well, crossing the driveway into the next group of canyons, which was three, 400 yards from where I had just shot him, which is the farthest I've ever had a deer go. And I got, I got, I was able to see the arrow and I had hit him like dead square in the hard part of his shoulder blade and probably <sighs> got two and a half inches of penetration. Oh man. So then the chase was on. I'd watched him bed down and I watched that other buck bed down. But when I come around the next corner on him, the, the other buck, I didn't know. I wasn't sure which buck I had killed. They were both really good deer. And I was 30 yards from the one buck laying down facing away from me. So I had to sit there for five minutes and figure out whether or not that was the buck I'd shot or not. And then he finally stood up. It wasn't him. So I was like, okay, well, I have to find mine. I come around the next corner and he was laying down, looking right at me at 65 yards. And I could just barely, there's a, I don't know what kind of plant it is, but it's a really hard stemmed, like little leafy bush. That's only like seven inches high. And he was laying right in the middle of that, so it's super hard to, you know, see vitals through it. But I was 65 yards from him, could see his body outline, so I just let one rip. Ended up smoking his other shoulder and probably got three inches of penetration on that shot. He got up and ran probably 150 yards, piled back up. I missed him at 12 yards. Got back up. And he ended up running right, right below Toby, where Toby was parked on the road in a different canyon. So I, at that point, there was blood coming out of his mouth, and he was laying down with his head on the ground. So I figured he was done. So I sat down, waited for Toby to get to me, bring me some water. And Toby asked to see my binos so he could look at him because I couldn't see him. I was just sitting over a little roll. And Toby had stood up and looked at him, and he was like, well, he's getting back up. Oh, like, oh, God. So I snuck in. Well, before he had got back up, he was picking his head up, and Toby started counting points. He got to seven, and I asked him what he was counting, and he's like, points on his one side. And I still didn't know the caliber of deer that I had shot, even, because I wasn't focused on antlers chasing a deer that had two arrows in him. And uh, so we get down... I get around and I get five yards from him and finally put the last arrow in him and he died right there where he was laying and then Toby walked up to me and jokingly told me he hates me because I just shot 198 inch deer a couple years back and uh, yeah all the emotions came out there I was about to cry I had to sit down on the ground couldn't breathe oh I'm sure I was a heck of a chase man I mean not too just you know wanting to put the animal out of its misery and get him down it was it was it was a rough situation then I just put the bow away for a couple of weeks and 
help some other guys get on some rifle deer. And, uh, but I mean, you're pretty proficient with the bow. I mean, you, you do a lot of practicing and you know, you've taken a lot of animals with the bow. So it's not like you're, you're new to archery. Um, no, and that you know, was, that's what, I mean, what would you say? Like is being a more of a, an experienced archer, like it was, do you think it was just a caliber of deer or the, just the, how the terrain was or I just, one of those things I just wasn't in the after Colorado beating the shit out of me. I really just think I wasn't in the right mindset to really be chasing a deer with a bow. Honestly, I got you. I mean that that you know, and that's there's really like no right or wrong answer. I feel like because there's been times where, I mean, you know, you know how it is. I haven't discussed it on any podcast yet, but you know, I've always considered myself a really good shot. Like I, I'm a very patient shot. Uh, you know, sometimes my friends are like, "You're too patient." Like they get annoyed with it. Um, I enjoy being patient and letting the animal give me an opportunity. And I probably miss out on a lot of game. You know, there's a lot of non-mounted animals on my wall right now for doing that. Um, but, you know, I, I took I feel like I did everything right when I shot my buck and, and he's still alive. I mean, we got pictures mm-hmm. of him just two days ago. He's breeding does. So, I mean, he's same deal. That shoulder just, just I don't think, I either got penetration or it, it lasered through um, and just didn't hit anything. Just one of those freak lasered through and didn't hit nothing. I mean, you never really yeah. know until next year when I hopefully take them and then I'll be able to look at the wound and, and tell. But it's crazy, man. You think you do everything right. You practice. You put the time into it. You, you know, you use the best equipment you can use. You become proficient with your equipment. It's just like there's still other variables that you can't control. Yeah, and I, I knew – I knew his his leg was broke. If if I, I wish I had taken pictures when I when I had cleaned him and uh, deboned everything, because where I had hit him was like right at the top of where his main leg bone meets his shoulder shoulder blade, and it had shattered pretty much six inches of his main leg bone all the way down. So how incredible are these animals like to live. We found shoulder bone with my deer. I'm like, there's no way this deer's still alive. There's no freaking way. And the well, biggest he is <laughs> biggest issue. Yeah, I had even sent you a text because I figured that deer was going to be dead. I figured you'd find him piled. Well, up we thought morning. he was bleeding from his mouth, but what was happening was it was only uh, he made me worried when he went up the steepest mountain. You got to yeah. hands and knees crawl up, which I crawled it five yep. times looking for him under every single stump because the deer where we're at they like to go under stumps. I shot a doe while I was looking for him. And they go under stumps for some reason. I don't know why, but they always do. Um, and I thought he was up under one. And nah, man, it, I thought he was dead too. It's funny. I heard a tracker say he's like every single person that ever calls this says that deer should be dead. He's like hardly any of them ever are. Yeah, and I think my biggest worry was so I've never lost a deer. Like so, I've been archery hunting since I was fourteen. So that's It's seven years now that I've been archery hunting. I've never lost the deer. Oh, I take that back. Last year I lost the doe, which same situation with your buck. She should have died. There was blood everywhere. But I ended up seeing her like a week later, just fine. Like nothing has happened. <laughs> just la di da. My buck had, I counted six, but I'm pretty sure there's one. My buck had six does with him was actively working a scrape and then went and bred her while I was trying to work around. 
But you know, I was I was competing with nine deer, you know, eight or nine deer, like trying to play the wind, and all of them are on edge. You know, they've been hearing nothing but shots every single day. But yeah, it's crazy, man. So you got you got your buck down, emotions are rolling because you done had two crap crap experiences, you done had crapped on a few times. So where we go from there? What happens after you get this deer down? Um, I kind of just kept him a secret for a couple of days, you know, not at, uh, still rolling through with emotions for the next few days. I take Tracy out a couple of times. We don't public land at this point. It's been hit just hammered because, um, non-resident opens October 1st for public land here. So by this time, everybody and their mom had been chasing mule deer around the prairie. So... We kind of give up throughout the month of October besides little little hunts here and there sitting in a blind looking for white tails. Nothing really else interesting happens in October. And then November 1st hits and my rifle season starts that I've been waiting for for five years. And we don't see bucks anywhere. I think we went, let's see, when did I shoot my... Deer. It's because you had a rifle with you. That's always how it yeah. works out. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's always how you know how many deer I've seen while we were duck hunting when I was in Virginia. I've seen more deer in a day than I've ever seen, you know. And on public land. Like easy shots, <laughs> like fifty yard or less bow shots on each one of them. Yeah, so we went nine days from the, the beginning of Ooh rifle season without seeing a buck worth shooting like we we seen a couple bucks that were like probably one-year-old two-year-old deer that's about all we were seeing and then we'd known about the the big giant six that i shot for a couple years and tracy had seen him the night before so i was like okay i'm gonna get off work a half hour early i'll swing by your house i'll pick you up and we'll go up there and see if we can't find him um, we drove up the road, didn't see him, didn't see him, and then it was right before dark. We were coming back down. There he was, 100 yards off the road. Stopped to look at him. He took off down to the nastiest canyon he could have possibly went into. So we take off after him, and it's a 220-yard shot. He's standing broadside, and I just dump him in his tracks. So we make the 200, you know, it should be a five-minute walk at 200 yards to get up to him. But it's like a half an hour climb because it's hands and knees to get up to where he is. Oh, man. We get up there, and uh, I go to reach into my pocket to find my tag, and it's uh, it's at home. No. <laughs> so I have to make a mad dash, start calling people to figure out who could go to my house. My little brother's like, well, I'm getting off work. He's like, I can go grab it for you. I'm like, cool. And my little brother just moved here from Texas, so he has no idea where to go. So I sent him my location. He's like, okay, I'll be there in a little bit. So it took him an hour and a half to figure out where we are up in the, up in the hills. <laughs> so finally, after dark, we got a, got him all gutted and taken care of and tagged up and back to the pickup. That's well, crazy much... that you have to have a physical tag. See, I'm, I'm spoiled here <laughs> in Florida where it, really a lot of the states I go to in Hunt, Virginia, Pennsylvania, we got to tag bear, but... You can just call it in. It's like an honor yeah. system. And my no, tag I mean, is my phone, so I just make sure my phone's always charged. 
yeah, if we get caught without a tag here, like even if you have one, like you you bought it and it's at your house and you forget it, they'll still hit you with not having a tag and take your hunting rights away for a year. Dang, so. man, that's right. I mean, I get it. You want people to follow the rules, but gosh, that's a harsh, that's a harsh punishment for something like that. If you have it, you know, if you don't yeah. have it, they should do that. But if you have it, I mean, that can be a whole rabbit hole i don't i don't know any context to why that's even done if there's a reason or not but you know i'm sure it's i'm sure it's got something to do with people you know shooting a deer and then they're disappointed with it or whatever not tagging it and then still having their tag oh that yeah i guess that makes sense i mean especially going out west i mean you guys offer you know what's not on the east so yeah yeah so that was that was that. I had to wait uh, two more weekends, and I'm, I'm lucky enough that I get to hunt on the reservations. So I, I had a res tag, and I they really cut down on tag numbers this year, and I was lucky enough to get an any deer tag there. And I had found a deer that I was really, really interested in shooting. And I don't – I'm sure a lot of you guys know I'm super passionate about mule deer. I've never killed one with a rifle. Every mule deer that is hanging in my house has been shot with a bow. So for me to say that I want to shoot a mule deer with my rifle, it's got to be a super good deer. <laughs> and uh, this deer I was going to shoot with my rifle, he's probably pushing like 230, upper 230s mark. Just a trashy, non-typical huge deer. Uh, somebody ended up poaching him like two weeks before season, so... That was off the plate. And then, so we are really bummed out about that. We ended up hitting an evening hunt. I ended up shooting a big, big old whitetail. And then I was, I'm pretty much tagged out for the year. I still have two tags, but I don't think I'm going to pursue deer that hard for the rest of the year. I'm going to help my grandpa with a tag that he drew. That took him 15 years to get, and then Tracy with his bow. I mean, shoot, that's a that's a full season's worth of work in itself. Really, twofold just doing that. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, it's nothing wrong with getting to that point, especially after you were able to you know fill your tags, get to that point where you just want to help others. And I know you just recently did a hunt link with Johnny out of Wyoming, uh, and you got help get his son on his first deer, right? Yep, yep. So he was. I was actually supposed, well, if I wouldn't have started a nine to five job, I was going to take, so we own property in Nebraska as well. So I was going to make a bad dash down there, help them in, around that shattering area. And if they didn't get it done there, we'd just run up to my place and have them shoot a buck off of our field. But it just didn't work out that way because I got work. I got an actual schedule now. So I texted him. I was like, hey, looking to see if look into it and see if you can get him a mentor tag here. You know, it's going to be like five bucks. It ended up being 10 bucks, whatever. And he was pretty down in the, the dumps after Colorado and everything else not working out as well. And he's like, all right, well, we'll look into it. They haven't seen any deer in Nebraska. And I was like, well, you come up here. We'll get it done. First evening, he's like, oh, whatever. You know, I was trying to boost his confidence. <laughs> he was on the other side of the confidence scale. And we ended up going up. And then first little plot of public we hit, there was a doe, and he's like, oh, can we shoot that one? I was like, no, nah, we'll, we'll wait. There, there'll be more. I kept telling him that. I don't know how many deer we see, and I kept telling him, oh, there'll be more. There'll be more. There'll be a better one. 
and we got to them ones that the one that he shot and they stood there they're they're probably 65 yards broadside head down eating didn't care that we were there so i got to film that whole experience and he made a really good shot and the deer expired in 40 yards nice i know he practices a lot from what johnny says he enjoys his son enjoys uh I wouldn't, I wouldn't really put it under long-range rifle shooting. For me, it would be long-range. Um, but for y'all, I know you take a lot longer shots. But um, and his kid's like, what, like 12 or something, 11? Uh, 10. 10, that's what I thought it was somewhere around there. That's awesome. You got to experience that with him. I know he's been really wanting to do that. You know, sometimes yeah. it's like that, though. I mean, it's I get it. You know, I've, I've done so many hunt links in my lifetime that I get that every single day. Like, I was just with Mark and... We have our new HuntLink review system, which is going to be great because literally people have stars like you, for example. If you've got five reviews and they're all five stars, I mean, that, that at the end of the day, like, it is what it is. Like, you're going to get the cream de la crop, I feel like, with the hunts. I'm not saying, like, people who don't do that can't get good hunts, but think about it. Like, you're going to want to get with someone that's kind of reputable, I guess, would more so be the word, or somebody that's a, a pleasure to be around or you know, yeah, meshes yeah. with just you, like, whatever. It's just like if you're looking for a guide, guided hunt, you know, you're not going to want to go with the guy that's got three stars over the guy that's got five stars if they cost the same. Right, yeah, no, for sure. And and the great thing about it is, you know, I always, uh, you know, Mark had put it in one of my reviews where he's like, you just, every day, you just, like, cut it on. And you, I'm like, dude, you got to start over every day. Like, you start worrying about, oh, we've been here five days, we've been here six days, tomorrow's the last day. You start worrying about that, you're just, all you're doing is eating time. Like, I've done it. You know, I'm a little older, and I'm, that's one thing. I wish I wouldn't have ate so much time with the what-ifs and the what-could-bes. Now I just live in the moment. And, yeah, it still sucks. Like, with my buck, I still cry at night in the fetal position. Um, you know, I'm, I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. I picture him on my wall every day. I hope I get another opportunity at him, but um, it's such a good buck that it's going to be really hard for him to to make it. But you never know. Uh, I try to stay optimistic with it, but you have to. You got to stay optimistic with it, and that's a great thing about people getting together is you can help balance each other out. Because I mean, you guys did get crapped on. I mean, it takes a, it really takes a, a I don't want to say a special person to, to you know, uh, devalue anybody, but it's it's hard to get crapped on like nonstop, and you're oh, spending yeah. a lot of money. You've sacrificed family time. You sacrificed so much, and for that to happen, it's just it's just a nail in the coffin each time. Yeah, and I think if if my uncle wouldn't have came along on the Colorado trip, Johnny and I would have called it after the first unit. But my uncle was super optimistic about everything, and like pretty much he was the only he was the driving factor on keeping us going every day like he was up at 4 30 every morning getting everything ready to go telling nice. us yo you know we got to keep going it's the only how, how, how we're gonna kill an elk i mean it's true man i mean he's pretty he's pretty seasoned right he's taken some pretty uh amazing game animals from what i've heard yeah my uncle's killed some really good deer um that was his first elk hunt but he is super determined he's He's just—he's different. <laughs> that's good, you know. You, you got to be determined because sometimes that's how it gets. You know, that's how it gets done. I mean, all those people you've seen when you were out there—I'm sure there's a statistic on it, but I guarantee you, half those people won't be there next year. The ones that were already there, you know. Oh yeah. They're—they're they're gonna be like, oh, that's crap. I put—you know—I hear it all the time. That place is hunted out. 
And in reality, the game just probably wasn't there. They were where y'all were. I mean, animals don't just disappear. You know, they're there no. somewhere. It's just you're not where they're at at the time they're at. Yeah, and you can't you can't go where you think the animals are going to be. You got to go where they are. Oh yeah, I mean, how Plain many times the the buck I shot gnarly thick stuff you know luckily my uncle cleaned it up because you know i don't i don't go up there often so he wanted to make sure it was good but gnarly thick stuff and for me to hit that branch i should have took you know a, a different a different firearm but you know i had the 270 i, I wish i would have used the 30 30 but you know hindsight's 2020 20. i didn't think about it i'm you know farther short shots like 25 yards there's deer all over the place they're not pressured you know, honestly, I should have took my bow. He probably would have died. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like my broadhead would have would have got that, knocked that little twig off. I don't know. I, I shot that 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 branch at that elk, and it was that branch was five foot in front of me. Yeah, and it was it was literally probably as thick as a pencil, and it just shattered my arrow. Isn't that crazy? And it's not even just arrows; it's bullets too. Like I remember every detail of my hunt and. I remember even taking my time to digest everything because I'm like, you want to remember all this. And everything was perfect. There was some vines hanging there, but they weren't thick. I'm like, oh, I'll shatter right through those. Nope. I don't know if it was a ricochet or just a slight deter, you know, just a slight little getting it off its trajectory path. But it it definitely happens. There's a lot of variables, bow hunting and and rifle hunting. Yeah, it's... It's a lot, and especially when you, you try so hard and you ended up getting shit on it. It takes a toll. <laughs> it, it does, man. You know, anyone that says it doesn't beat them down is lying, or they're not hunting enough, you know, but you you overcome. You overcome. You had some successes. You learned a lot. I mean, you're still super young. You're, you're getting kicked in the balls at a great age because then when you get a little older, for one, it hurts less, and you'll be able to help others. If I knew even a fraction of the stuff I know now, which is still not a ton. But if I even knew a fraction, I tell you what, there would have been some a lot more dead animals when I was growing up than, you know, having to wait till yeah. you're at my age now, you know, and then you're running into other things, health issues and obviously work, like you said, having to have a regular job and, and all that stuff. Yeah, and that's just like when Tim came for his antelope hunt, we uh we grinded super hard for four, for two days because I had to go go to work. I ended up I was still working for myself when Tim was here, but there was an emergency situation I had to deal with. But uh, I think we got on seventeen buck goats in two days, and the whole time he kept kept talking to me. And then he finally asked me. We were just sitting down in a field waiting for Tracy to come pick us up. He finally had asked me, he's like, how old are you? And I was like, oh, I just turned 21. He's like, dude, I thought you were like 28. <laughs> well, you know, that's a great thing, man. You're you're getting it done at a young age. You know, you could have told me nothing when I was 21 years old. I, I thought I knew it all, and I wish I would have listened to a, a lot more of the elders when they talked about hunting. And, you know, even now when I see a stand, a permanent stand in the woods from back in the day, I always hunt there, even if it's not my plan for the day. Because I'm like, this old head wouldn't have brought all this wood out here back in the day if he didn't expect mm-hmm. to kill something worth it you know yeah and then and now tim's trying gonna try and make this an every year thing and he was like yeah he he really enjoyed it and i'm glad he did 
Yeah, that's uh, awesome, man. I'm, I'm glad he did too. And that's the great thing about Hunt Links is it getting that experience. And I mean, he's opening, he's going to open a wide range of stuff for you because he's in New Mexico and having a hook up there. I mean, that's a sleeper state. Like even saying it on this podcast, people, oh, I'll go there because it's a sleeper state. No, they don't. No one puts no. that, you know, and it's, it's not hunted just like Oregon. There's a ton of states that people don't touch that you can go out to and do really well with bow hunting, yeah. good bow hunting opportunities. And Oregon's on the map for sure. I just had my childhood best friend move there. And uh, with being Native American, you can hunt on the reservations in Oregon um, without a tag or anything. It's um, a treaty deal. Nice. So I can go up there. and I mean, I'm not that, – that's super um, maintained still, obviously. But So I'm going to go up there and try to shoot a bear and probably a Roosevelt elk within the next couple of years it just depends on what I, what I draw here in the West. Cause I have 11 years for my, my elk tag here in South Dakota, which I could draw it next year. or I could draw it in the next 10 years. You just never know. And then New Mexico is on the, on the list, but they don't have a point system and it's, it's a true draw system. So it's basically winning the lottery. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't, you're kind of just in there. And then Ohio's on the list for sure because I'm going to start chasing more whitetails with my bow. Um, there's a bunch of great guys from Serviceside in Ohio that I've been talking to, like Zach with Grindstone. He's super good. He's got got the setup, and he's he's been bugging me for a couple years to come down there. And then a couple other guys that I know that are there. Um, Zach's going to try to come up here for a mule deer hunt. Johnny and... Um, Dakota are going to try to put in and draw a tag here next year. They weren't really on the train until Johnny came up for his son's hunt. And after seeing all the deer we got and all the places, the different terrain and stuff that we can hunt here, he was like, yeah, I'm getting one. And only dude, and that's, you know, that's what I try to tell people. And it's so hard. It's so hard to say it or talk about it. It's even hard. I feel like to showcase it through videos. I've done a ton of videos with, with going on hunt links and it's a great thing, but no one ever really pulls the trigger where they're buying plane tickets or figuring out navigation to drive there or whatever logistics, but you get there and you're hooked. You know, like it took me forever to get to Minnesota. If I could, like I literally was up there and I was like, Craig, I don't even want to leave. I was like, I love this place. <laughs> like, I was like, this is amazing. I was like, this is the best waterfowl hunting I've ever done in my life. Like this is Put, like nothing else is even going to compare anymore and he's like this isn't even nothing he's like this is crap he's like this isn't even he's like you like this and i'm like this is amazing i'm like i was literally on cloud nine the whole time and i'm like i never would have knew this without doing hunt links and you know it's not so much too just a trade for a trade you know there's plenty of people that are like i don't have anything to offer <coughs> but it's not about that <coughs> oh, excuse me it's not even about that it's about new experiences i mean like you said you're at that point this year where you're like hey i kind of want to you know help other people out well there's gonna be a lot of opportunities for that we just had a guy that went to new mexico and was like hey i'll pay all the expenses if somebody wants to come film for me he's like i'll get you yeah. here just so many different things that's just an example but um taking advantage of those hunt links and it's like this it's like the worst case like worst case scenario you don't like it okay you just don't do that again you know mm-hmm yeah, and Tim was the first one that I did, you know, and I didn't know what to expect with him coming. But he ended up 
that's one of the greatest guys I've ever met in my life. Super optimistic. I had that guy crawling through cactus for 400 yards at point in times on hands and knees in the middle of 80 degree weather with the sun beating down on us. And he was just like, okay, well, well, that one didn't work. Let's go find another one. That's how it's done, man. Well, he really, he really loves hunting. You know, he, he, he really enjoys hunting. He's got to hunt a lot of different states because, you know, he was born in Alaska and, you know, he's got to experience different things and he's, he's about the experience. He's somebody that I think everyone's worth getting with. So I don't want to say it that way, but some people I feel like are just, you just click with and you're like, that's the person I get with. Like, you know, we have a thousand members of the service title. If I did one hunt every single day, I still wouldn't be able to do them all, you know? So you mm-hmm. kind of have to pick and choose and it's not... For me, like, I don't pick someone because they're better than someone else. I just pick it because of the game animal I want to chase. And, like, is this person going to give me the best opportunity? And a lot of those times, it's been with people that are good hunters. And I ended up getting with someone that wasn't a good hunter. They were a beginner because they were near a certain public land that had that. Or, you know, that I was more familiar with. You know, whether I was e-scouting or or things I'd heard. So, I mean, it's not always, too, just the getting with someone that's experienced. Because I know Tim... You know, he's one, it's not like he's goat hunting all the time. You know, you kind of knew you were getting someone that hadn't done that before. And that comes with its own challenges. Yeah. And you know, the opening morning was insane. We, we got on a goat that let us chase him around and he stayed within a hundred yards of us for 15, 20 minutes. And finally Tim got a shot at him because I had told Tim months in advance. I was like, you got it. You got to be proficient at at least a hundred yards. He's like. He thought I was joking until he got here. I was like, he's like, I'm, I'm confident to 90. I was like, he's like, that's as far as I want to shoot. And I was like, perfect. So we chased that goat around opening morning an hour after sun up for 20 minutes or whatever. And finally he stopped, turned broadside at 87 yards. And that was the first animal Tim had ever released an arrow at. And uh, he was like rock solid, ready to go because he had, put in the time to be ready for that moment it just didn't work out because the goat the goats are fast right he dropped and dropped and was 10 foot in front of the arrow before he got there Duh. but even after missing that shot he was still super optimistic and ready to go and find another one well i mean he got an opportunity he's never caught him before you know like I don't know about you, but like when I go on hunt links, like, yes, I want to be successful. Like, I don't want to just waste money on a tag and, and not be successful, but like the kill is extra for me. And I feel like when you have that mindset, you can still be competitive and challenge yourself and not take, you know, uh, the easier route. But also I feel like setting expectations of like, I'm going to do something I've never done before. You know, I was a realization mm-hmm. when I started waterfowl hunting, like, I was used to, well, I can kill animals with bows and I can kill animals with rifles, so what's what's waterfowl hunting going to do? I missed so many ducks it was embarrassing. Like, it got to the point where <laughs> I, I couldn't even make an excuse anymore. Like, I didn't, I didn't set them all, and I'm like, what is going on? Well, you didn't practice, idiot. Like, that's what that's what it boiled down to. I didn't, I didn't practice shooting a shotgun at a moving animal that dives and dodges you and all that, you know? Yeah, so. Yeah, we do, we do a lot of waterfowl hunting up here it's it's different like I, I dove hunted since i was super little and moving from doves to ducks and geese is, is a whole different game but super enjoyable if you go with the right group of guys i mean would you guys i mean so you do i didn't know that you do a good bit of waterfowl hunting or are you primarily big game quite a quite a well 
I've gotten pretty obsessed with chasing mule deer, and that's kind of pushed everything else out of the way. Right, but uh, before I really got hardcore into mule deer, I, I did waterfowl hunt a lot. I think we got two trailers full of decoys, a bunch of layout blinds. Like we we're pretty, we got all the gear to do it. We just don't ever have the time anymore. I mean, you're in a good state for it too. You're in a good flyway, aren't you? Oh yeah. I mean, right there in South Dakota, you're in a you're in a heck of a flyway. I'm a I was surprised Greg ain't trying to want to meet up with you there. That's I'm sure that's coming. I just, I just gotta find the time to to do it. No, I, get, I get that, man. That's something that you know. You said 21. That's something you're never going to get rid of. Um, you know, especially the way the country is, having to work two jobs in most places, but. It's definitely something that time is always going to be the ball that, that holds you back. You know, I'm just lucky and blessed enough to be able to do the hunting opportunities that I can do now because I'm really good at budgeting money. I'm really good at planning ahead. You know, I'm a bargain shopper when it comes to flights and discounts and promo points. Yeah. And I just, I've been doing it so long that I've almost cracked the code with it of, you know, let airlines battle for your service you know by i don't know i'll give this little tidbit so it's always nice to leave a podcast with with a little information other than than what we already left but something i learned was you go through the whole process of getting an airline ticket right do everything like get to the point where you have to put a credit card in i will literally even sometimes put my credit card in but you never push send back out of it you will see prices drop quicker than you ever have in your life. My ticket to go to Minnesota, the cheapest one I was finding was over 700 bucks. I'm like, there's no way I'm ever going to spend that on a ticket. I was like, I just can't do it. I ended up paying 150 mm-hmm. $150. And it took months. It took months to be able to get it where they finally sent me an email that says, if you book right now for X dates, it was like October to December, it's $150 both ways. As opposed to nine, you know, seven to nine hundred. Um, it, it's not the getting to Minnesota that was the issue; it was the getting back to Florida, yeah. like because everyone wants to come to Florida, um, and yeah, either have to go to Orlando at Disney World or Tampa. So, especially in the winter time. <laughs> especially, especially too, because I mean, we're not the only ones duck hunting, and you know, their rifle season I think it just opened that week. So you you got you know at the airport, everyone's wearing orange or boots or a camo jacket and so i mean it's pretty noticeable but um you know if i wouldn't have did that you know i never i wouldn't have went there as quick as i did now i, I kind of know the system but you know if you ever want to book flights obviously it's great driving somewhere but as you've seen when you lost your exhaust you lost the tire you know you blew your truck up like that stuff happens um and you know with flights yeah i feel like flights are not enjoyable ever but being able to get somewhere in an hour to three hours as opposed to like a 20 hour drive is freaking awesome (laughs) you know it sucks you can't overpack but it's definitely nice if you can do it for 150 dollars. just think about i had 500 almost 600 more dollars extra that i could have did whatever with yeah and that's just like so in 26 so the elk hunt or the alaska hunt with johnny really drastically changed after the Colorado trip, so now my uncle and I are going with him and Dakota to Alaska, but we're, we already have a full spreadsheet on the whole budget, everything we need, and it's actually like overpriced by probably 2500 bucks. So that way we all have stuff to lay back on if we either have to fly or drive. We're good either way. 
Yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> and then points. Points are always solid. Yeah, so... Look, I just got an email just now about a price drop on a flight I've been looking at. <laughs> I'm telling you, they, they do it. It's And then two people canceling their flights, especially for hunting trips. You know, I've seen so many quotas that they couldn't go and they turn their we have re-entries every saturday and they do the results mm-hmm. on tuesday and they do it till the end of season and there's been so many times where like someone's like oh i can't go now couldn't get off work and then you get the tag of a lifetime you know oh and see that's that's how my grandpa got his muzzleloader tag oh I play, you gotta play that dude you you know i talk to our guys like i never draw i'm like so you're putting it in every single saturday well no because they're all gone i'm like dude every saturday you got to you set a reminder in yep. your phone yeah, we have one opportunity that everybody, there's a turn-in period, and then there's a draw for the turn-in period tags. So you get this little window to pick up an extra tag, possibly. And my aunt, my grandpa ended up getting the muzzleloader tag, so now we're going to be chasing chasing a really, really nice deer with his muzzleloader. We ended up going out yesterday. So Tracy was all giddy yesterday because my grandpa gave him permission to bow hunter place. Nice. And he's the only friend that's ever been able to bow hunt it other than family members. So he's like, dude, I didn't sleep until like 1 a.m. this morning. And we got up at 4.30 to go. <laughs> he's been working for this moment for so long. <laughs> uh, I would have been so wearing we my out... clothes. Wearing my clothes under the covers. <laughs> so we get out there. And uh, we find the buck. It was the first buck we've seen. But he was right on the neighbor's fence and just in the wide open. No possible way to get a bow shot or a muzzleloader shot. So we sat there and watched him for a little bit. And then we're, he, they were working our way into some canyons that were perfect. And the cows ended up bun, bumping him into the neighbors. But he'll be back. And he's got until January 1st, both of them do, to fill their tags. So. Oh, yeah, that's plenty of time. That's, it's, that's got time as much as you guys hunt and you scout and stuff. That's plenty of time. Yeah, so that deer, will, that deer will hit the dirt, I'm sure, sometime this month, either with an arrow or a muzzleloader, because my grandpa even told Tracy that if he gets the opportunity to shoot that deer, to shoot it. So Nice. Well, Which is huge. Yeah, he's got the approval. He's got the seal. Because that deer is every bit of 30 inches wide and probably pushing that 190-inch mark. Oh, wow. Tracy would – That's you're talking about emotional. Yeah, like 190-inch typical. Gosh. <laughs> Yeah, he's and he's got the seal of approval. He better be hunting hard. He better be hunting every day. He ain't working. Yeah, so I I, t- I keep asking him. I'm like, well, whatever days you guys take off work, let me know because we're going. Yeah, no, for sure. I hope y'all connect. Definitely keep me updated. So we're going on about a about an hour here, Braden. So we'll we'll wrap up this podcast. Let's do a few things here. So. First thing, um, especially with you, you know, I never want to put the spotlight on, you know, you being younger because I remember being younger. Like, I used to hate when people did that. I'm like, you know, okay, I get it. You've said it a hundred times. But being your age and being someone that's that's coachable, um, you know, obviously positive, you know, willing to get out there, really to re- really put the work into, you know, with the year that you had, if you could give some advice to these, these bow hunters that are getting out there, whether they're young or old, it doesn't really matter, but just getting out there. Uh, what kind of what's some advice that you you'd share with them to maybe help them along either next season or to close this season up? Absolutely, don't wait for the last minute with anything. Whether setting your bow up, scouting, anything. I start scouting end of June for mule deer, so from 
the end of June till September 1st, I'm usually in the field every single night because it's long days and I get off work soon enough to go and watch deer. And I probably spend more time in the field than anybody that I know. Like even my grandpa, he wouldn't know about half the deer on our place if I didn't tell him about them. Nice. No, that, that is good advice. You know, it's, you can only see so much from a phone and from a map. You know, you have to get out there and you have to see what you're working with. I just went to a bunch of spots. Obviously, this is apples and oranges, but I just went to a bunch of spots that should have a bunch of ducks in it. Um, we've been so dry that every single one of those, I probably went to over a dozen ponds and, and water places, and uh, they were all dry except three. Um, yep. You know, and that's so just like map doesn't show that. Just like Colorado, everybody, and I, I should have just went. I should have just bit the bullet and drove down. Everybody was like, just drive down for three days, like take a Friday off and stay until Sunday and hit every unit that you want to go to. Like, it don't matter if you're just driving through them, but get out next to the road and see if there's elk sign. Done, done, done. I really wish I would have because we wouldn't have had such a headache to find elk. I mean, that's one of those, like, live and learn things. I mean, you're, you, each time, you, you know, there's two types of people. There's people that either learn from it and they get better, and maybe they'll do that next time. And that might not even work next time. All the all the elk might be pushed into the backcountry, you know, at that point. You never know. But then there's other people who they, they'll, they'll do the same thing over and over again. Um, and they're literally expecting the same results. They're, they're thinking they're going to get, you know, we might get lucky and, and that's probably why a lot of them do it over and over again. But sometimes you got to throw those Hail Marys, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If people knew how much time I actually spent watching deer versus hunting deer, they would. Oh, dude, I get it. I'm, I'm like that with turkey. I'm not like that with big game. I, I scout and stuff. I probably scout as much as a normal person that, that enjoys hunting, but birds are my thing. Um, I'm real big on you know how turkeys communicate with each other. Um, I think that just any calling in a state that's highly pressured with a huge predator population, like you know it's not cool to predator hunt here like some people do it but it's not like it is throughout the rest of the country like people aren't doing it to be instagram famous you know i could i can name 20 people right now that do it just because of the content they get um especially with you know the new technology of thermals and things but i listen to the birds like i listen to i'll be sitting out there in the summer finding big flocks and just listening and watching them and looking how they interact. And, you know, I'm blessed to have some private land that has a huge turkey population on it. Um, and then another piece that we, <clears throat> it's kind of like a sanctuary. We don't really touch it. Um, and the hens go there and it's, you know, that we keep the predators down there and, you know, the, the poultry are, are safe and there's a lot of cover. But if I didn't sit there and watch them in the summer, and, and I'll never forget, I have one guy I took with me and he was like, we're just going to sit here and watch the birds for like six hours. And I'm like, yeah, like And he was like, dumbfounded. He's like, you just want to sit here. And I'm like, we're not just sitting here. We're looking at what they're doing and we're observing. It's like this. I always say it like this. And I know we kind of went down the turkey, turkey realm, but like with turkey hunting where I'm at, if someone was to kick in your door and walk in your house and say, Hey, Braden, and you didn't recognize their voice, immediately red flags are going to go up and you're going to go into defensive mode, whether it's fight or flight whichever one you decide but if someone comes into your house that you recognize you're gonna be like oh that's so-and-so i wonder what they want your defenses are going to be down and you know they're not they're just going to be non-existent and you know that's how i look at turkey hunting is you know if you don't call the right way or you're out here blowing a box calling and yeah it works sometimes especially if you get a hot bird but 
it's rare that I hear it. I always tell people here, like, if you get a turkey gobbling while he's coming in, like, go buy a lottery ticket after. Like, seriously. Because just, it's not super common. Everything wants to yeah. eat them. Why are you going to holler through the woods and be like, come and eat me? I'm literally a 20-pound <laughs> delicious morsel. Come and eat me. Like, yeah, and our coyotes are packs. They, they're in packs usually. You usually see two at a time. So. Yeah, turkeys here. Turkeys here are really callable, and it's I I, I turkey hunt a lot in the spring, like a lot. So I get where you're coming from. Turkeys here are super callable, and it's just a really good time to sit in a blind and try to shoot them with a bow. I need to get out there, man. I've been hearing a lot about their callable, and I'm used to hunting a state where I have to scrape tooth and nail. I put a lot of people in birds, so I think that's what it is. If I just hunted for myself, probably wouldn't be as bad. I'd probably just tag out immediately but hunting for other people it's uh you know i usually end up getting mine in the last week now yeah i wish i would have had a fall turkey tag the other day i'm pretty sure you've seen the picture of that bird oh gosh man if i would to get that i would do a full body mount on that for sure yeah yeah there was i'll go on a credit a card of, debt for that <laughs> there was a bunch of pults down there that were white this last spring but they they all disappeared well they they stand out like a beacon you know so i'm sure they're easy to pick off for coyotes and everything else oh i'm sure i hope you end up getting getting the bird uh you know maybe in the spring it'll stick around i'm it's weird it's either albino or you know just because of a, a gene or it's a domesticated bird and that got away but you're really not going to know until you end up killing it yeah and the, there's been white birds down there for probably 10 years in that group there's always been a white bird in that group it could just be one of those genes man i mean like why not like who's to say that's not a domesticated turkey from like the 1800s you know maybe that wasn't yeah. one that was wiped out you know yeah so i'm about to get out there man and do some turkey hunting for sure and you know you i was i think we talked about it at one point you want to really challenge yourself you'll come down here and we'll go do public land swamp hunting and i tell you what i tell people all the time because everybody's like my state's better my state's better i'm like this is how you know you can google how many videos good content comes out of florida you're not going to see mm -hmm. meat eater in florida unless he's fishing on a on a charter or you know on a gator hunt where they've been feeding it you know hogs for yeah. six weeks even the turkey hunting here like i bust bubbles i don't care like i like ruffling feathers sometimes i think it's in good fun but you'll see during spring you'll see all these osceolas dead and i'm like i guarantee 85 90 percent of those birds were killed with rifles and i'm not judging that you, you can do that i'm not saying shotguns better than rifle but I'm looking at it as a lot of the times if they're sitting there without a weapon, it's nine times out of ten they're doing it from a blind with a rifle and it's kind of got to the last day and they got to take a bird before they go. Because, I mean, our tags are expensive for birds. Um, but I've heard plenty of stories through the guide world and, and stuff where, you know, it's not always what it seems. And I tell people that when they're turkey. This was my main point with it. It wasn't to bash them. I don't care how people fill their tags. But um, just be realistic you know like people aren't out here killing 200 inch deer every day either so for us to showcase that all the time that's not what everyone's doing that's not what the majority are doing that's a great goal and a huge accomplishment in life whether it's public or private but that's like with bird hunting like if you get it to come in and it's coming in at 10 15 20 yards and that bird you've literally tricked it to the point where it's in like to me that's it you know with the turkey hunting in its highest form um, of being able to yeah. do it, you know, and I'm, and like I said, I've taken plenty of birds with rifles legally, you know, if, if I got a tag to fill and it's a nice bird and I want it, I'm, I'm going to do it. Um, but I always try my best to 
I don't want to say the give the animal a better chance because I feel like that's a negative way to say it, but I always try to hunt my way. Um, and yeah, I always and try to be like, real with it. That's just like me with mule deer and rifles. I just don't hunt them with a rifle because, yeah, I started hunting them with a bow and that's how I do it. You just do what you if like I, to do. Yeah. And it'd kind of be, I, don't, I just don't view it as fair to shoot a mule deer with a rifle because I can pretty much get within bow range of any mule deer that I plan on pursuing. So just sitting there at 400 yards and dumping a deer is just not enjoyable for me. You know, and to each their own, there's been times where I've, I've never shot in an, well, over a hundred yards. I don't never had to in any state I've ever lived in, you know, we just don't have those shots, but um, you know, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that if that's what you enjoy, but we all have yeah, our own I, personal goals and you have to stick with what's best for you, not what your Instagram influencer is doing or think mm-hmm. they're doing or what you think they're doing. Yeah. And I don't bash on anybody that shoot mule deer with rifles. It's, it's their preference. It's their tag. They can do what they want. Yeah, no, I, I get it, man. I'm, I'm the same as you, you know, that's how I am with Turkey. And then when it comes to deer, I'm like, man, I'll smoke. I think with a 300 Winchester at 20 <laughs> feet, like it doesn't bother me. But for the Turkey, I'm like, you need to use a shotgun. Like, when people come down, I always tell them, like, let's use the shotgun until the last day. And then if you really want to take the rifle, you know, you're the one that paid money for the tag, so. Yeah, and I, I, I turkey hunt with a bow, too. Like, I think I've killed one bird with a shotgun and one with a rifle, so. You know, everyone always asks me when I'm going to get into that. And I'm just like, I'll probably get into it when I'm tired of killing them with a shotgun. <laughs> Which, I just don't know what it is, man. Every time I pull that trigger and that, that bead comes out, I, I don't know what it is. Like, that that still does it for me. And I don't see it not doing it for me. For I, like, see, my birds come in so close I can see the, the hair on their chin. You know, I'm I'm getting my birds in so close I can see if they got a pimple on their face. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, and I can see the t- ticks walking on their on their gullet and stuff. You know, I'm, yeah, I get them just... in close, man. It's just like last year when Tracy shot his first bird with a bow, they were 10 feet in front of us. He shot his and then a Jake come running, like a Jake come running to stomp him as he was on the ground. So I passed <laughs> the camera to him and I dumped the Jake. There you go, man. I, I tell you what, I'm going to get out there. I've been hearing a lot of good things about Western turkey hunting and obviously I have to feel that. I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not really like the grand slam will obviously happen. I'm sure at some point in my life, but I'm just right now well, and, not for it and here you can shoot an eastern uh a Merriam's, and then there's uh a different kind i can't remember what they're called right now yeah yeah we got all three of them here so it just kind of depends on what comes in oh okay well shoot that's i mean if i have to do a grand slam it sounds like i need to hit your state to to get started and, I, and you should be able to get two tags you should be able to either get uh an archery actually you might be able to get four still i don't know i know i can get four because i can get a shotgun prairie shotgun hills and then archery prairie and archery hills nice yeah no we'll, we'll set something up eventually and i'll get out there what's what's the prices looking like on that roughly i have no idea oh yeah ours is like 200 <laughs> bucks or something for out of stater yeah i got which is i mean that's just for the bird <laughs> i've never had anybody come and ask me what a I think turkey I think ours is like one twenty or one thirty or one fifty. It's somewhere around there for the turkey tag for an out of stater, and then it's like you can get the it's either a three or a five day permit. That's fifty bucks, and then you gotta get the twenty five dollar WMA stamp, 
And then I think there obviously if you do archery, there's an archery permit. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's always close to 180, 200 bucks just to come out here and turkey hunt for a couple of days. Okay, so um, you can get an archery turkey tag, which is a hundred bucks. So you could spend three hundred and twenty-five dollars here and kill four, four, four. Geez, wow, four birds. Oh, okay, nice. That's what we get four birds too. I mean, we have Eastern and Osceola. They try to claim the northern Florida birds as Osceola so they can make more money, but you can clearly look at them and tell. I mean, the, the birds I kill, they're you know they're black, you know that they, they're just solid black wings most of the time. Mm-hmm. But, well, Braden, where can our listeners reach you? Um, what's the best socials to reach out to you um, if they want to chat or maybe just follow your all your adventures here? Uh, Instagram and YouTube, six hundred five outdoors. 605 outdoors and we'll put that in the show notes but man i definitely appreciate you jumping on i know this has been a long time coming i loved hearing the story and um, i love that you keep getting out there and, and being persistent especially at your age because there's some things that experience doesn't teach and that's that's a lot of the things you already have um you know and just being a third party to it all a spectator um you know just keep pushing and you're gonna have a ton more experience especially since you're starting to get your wheels turning with like hunt links. And I tell people all the time, it's like anything else. Like everyone always tells me, like, I'm so nervous on my first hunt link. I'm like, once you do that one, it's like anything else. You're nervous for your first date. You're nervous when you get left, the baby gets left with you for your first time and the wife's out of town. There's going to be things you're always going to get nervous about. But once you do it once, then you're good. Then you start either growing, getting complacent, getting more experience. Like just like with waterfowl, all I can think about now is doing more small game hunting and I'm putting big game on the back burner if you would have told me five years ago that that's what would happen i would have laughed at you i'd be like you're crazy I, I'm, not going to, yeah. I'm not duck dynasty over here i'm not going to kill no ducks and then now it's like becoming an obsession i know that's just an example but turkey will forever be my true love <laughs> but all right Braden. well i appreciate it man and i uh, will definitely see you on the next one brother yep good talking all right you guys are listening to hunt link by Servicehide.